Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we take a look at league analysis, get some more details about the new Overwatch books, and get off topic and discuss the latest Pokemon anniversary news. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. It is now March. Hopefully, you've all had a good first, what is it, the first sixth of the year is done already? Uh. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. Like, we're, it feels like 2020 just like was yesterday, you know? And like all this madness started in really in March of last year. And it's been a whole year. Like we've made it a whole full circle around the sun with Corona. It feels really weird considering that we uh, it, like everything kind of shut down literally like a year from today. So if you consider it's been like 365 days that we've been locked in uh, yeah. quarantine um it, there should be a phineas and ferb reference somewhere in there um <laughs> but yeah it, it's just it's it's insane there's been a lot of things that have been going on obviously but at the same time it feels like there's nothing that's been going on wow uh, anyway <laughs> um how have you been kevin how is your week in gaming and just life and pop culture things um so first things first uh i did enjoy the pokemon direct that's what i pretty much spent this weekend doing was um pokemon direct playing a new game that came out that i've been kind of keeping my eye on um kind of in the same pokemon realm it's called bravery network online um it's another turn-based like fighter game it's pretty it's pretty cool i watched their first tournament that they had um and then i also bought myself fights in tight spaces which is another card game, but it's like you're you're a secret agent, and you have to fight your way out of a small room, um, using cards. So it's a deck building game, but also like secret agent mission game. Uh, so that that was quite interesting. interesting. That's pretty much what I've been up to, um, and yeah, I for the for the most part, it's just been breaking down that. Um, getting ready for this weekend i was supposed to have a tournament on saturday um that i was supposed to cast for valorant and it got pushed back to this weekend so if you guys happen to be online uh i will be i'll be doing play-by-play commentary for the first time in like four years um on saturday and then i get to go back to my desk analytic position (laughs) on sunday so um that'll be on art you esports on twitch so if you guys want to catch that starts at 12 12 p.m pst so yeah you can hear me shoutcast and see what i actually look like because we're using (laughs) face cams again um how about you matt how's how's your week how's everything going um it's been going okay gaming's been a bit of a variety I, i went back to playing brawl or not brawl whatever the new smash one is what's the new one ultimate ultimate yeah I've been playing Smash Ultimate against my friend Jim for a little bit, um, trouncing them with Bowser. And usually when I like randomly swap onto my other mains, like I usually play big characters. So um, they hate it when I play big characters. 
I also hate it when they do electroshock. But I found out that I could just counter it by playing Bowser Jr. and just doing the little like remote control bomb things that Bowser Jr. has. So that's fun. Um, aside from that, I played a little bit of um, Divinity 2 at my dentist's office yesterday because um, waiting is annoying. <laughs> uh, and a little bit of Overwatch played a little. I finished one of the endings on uh, Cyberpunk by accident where you throw away the pills at the end. Um, I didn't know that that would be an ending. I thought that just I I didn't know what I was going to happen. So I'm like, oh, wait, that was an ending. OK, I have to go redo the other ones now. Um, but I also I started watching Shit's Creek because um, it got all the uh, Emmy Awards. It got some Golden Globe Awards. So I've been watching that for a week or so. I'm on season three now and it's fantastic like why have i why am i only doing this show now yeah it's one of those things where it gets a lot of hype and you're like where has this been right like yeah why hasn't this been in my life i know that happens to a lot of us anime fans um there's a bunch of us like me and like a small group that i have uh we watch everything (laughs) so like if there is time we 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 somehow make time. I have no idea. <laughs> so much there's so much anime. Like my brother right now is like trying to catch up with his girlfriend and like finish One Piece. Which oh, at this that's... point I'm just not even gonna try <laughs> to do One Piece anymore. It's it's too much. It's that that's a ride. And I it, it was more like I guess the best one for me was Demon Slayer because everybody didn't watch Demon Slayer at first. They're like, uh-huh. oh, this is probably just another shonen. People are gonna enjoy it. And then episode 19 dropped where it had like, you know, the pretty animation, the, the fire stuff. Um, and everybody was like, whoa, this is pretty. I should watch it. And then everybody started getting on the bandwagon. And I was like, I was here from day one. I was here from day one. <laughs> You're Bro, an OG. I, I was telling you this is going to be good. I didn't even read the manga. I knew it was going to be good because of the studio. And then they're like, oh, well, whatever, man. It's just another shonen. And then you... You point it out to them, it's like, it's affordable. Like, this company is known for blowing, like, the GDP of a small country to make their <laughs> anime. Like, that is in the perspective. It, it is insane. Like, the entire GDP of a small country. They will, they will literally, like, disappear for, like, five years. And you're like, where are they? And then they'll drop, like, a small anime that's, like, it's pretty, but it's, like, just small. And then they'll like hit you in the face with something huge. So like the first one was like they had a small series of movies and then they released Fate Zero. And then Fate Zero was Oh, they did Fate Zero? Yeah. So Fate Zero in 2011, right? Everybody was like, oh, okay, whatever. It's just, you know, a pirate, like freaking cards and mages and stuff, whatever. That's cool. And then you you get to the you get to the episode where where Saber does the big uh the big sword thing. Um it comes in season one uh season two season season two beginning of season two um they hit you with that animation and you're like okay we're not messing around anymore um <laughs> and you're like oh yeah of course they were able to blow the entire budget on a freaking space air battle between uh berserker and gilgamesh of course you're gonna get that with your money again i have no idea how all anime watchers in the world the manga readers like keep up with all of it it's insane um, I can barely keep up with like the five shows that I watch <laughs> right now. 
Um, but anyway, you mentioned the Pokemon anniversary stuff in the Pokemon Direct. So let's get into that because I know we are Pokemon fans here on the show. Um, before we actually go to the Pokemon Direct stuff, like, have you been going to, po- to McDonald's to get the Pokemon cards? I have not. And I don't know if I should. Uh, I really want to. Um, but it, it would be cool. I I I wanted to do a cheat day last week. So I um I went to McDonald's and like we I got the Pokemon cards for there for that week. Um and then my siblings are like, wait, why haven't we been collecting these? These are actually really cool. Because they come with like stickers too and a pack of four cards. And like so my favorite two regions are um which one's the one with Toto as a Kanto? Oh Totodile? That's the Johto. Okay, so my favorite two regions are Johto and Hoenn. Um, my sister last night got a sticker pack of the Hoenn starters, and she got a shiny Totodile card, which I wanted so badly. And, like, she's, she's like, I'm just going to keep these because I know you want them. And I hate <laughs> it so much. So annoying. It's like, that was the pack that I should have gotten. I got a shiny Chikorita, but I did get a Totodile sticker, which was a small consolation prize but anyway so kevin tell us about this pokemon direct that happened so this year is kind of a big year for pokemon um it is the 25th anniversary of pokemon so this is kind of a you know obviously a big deal for the the company um but the most important things that we got was a little bit of a sneak preview into pokemon snap and all the different things that you can do compared to the old nintendo 64 one um there's just obviously there's a lot more pokemon uh i believe that pokemon snap was only after it only had kanto pokemon so it was pretty pretty far back um but now with the new decks you know we have literally uh, we almost not quite a thousand pokemon so we just have to enjoy everything that we have here um so Pokemon Snap just gets a lot of hype. By the way, that comes out uh, April 30th. So uh, get your pre-orders if you guys want it. I'm definitely going to get it and uh, take photos of cool Pokemon. Uh, but the most important pieces that everybody was speculating about was a Diamond and Pearl remake because it would have been, I believe, uh, I think it's 11 years since Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Um and something like that something like that so we were like okay whatever this is we're gonna get diamond and pearl remakes. Wait, no diamond and pearl was probably when we were in like junior high because i remember they did heart gold soul silver when we would have been freshmen in 09 so i think yeah. it was like oh oh seven oh eight i want to say oh eight i want to say oh eight is when it came out for us it was oh seven it okay. was uh okay Oh, okay. Okay. So it's been what 14 years? 14 years. Yeah, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. 14 years ago, we we got the Sinnoh region, the cold one, the one with the the fire monkey, the grass turtle and uh the uh the the water penguin. Um so yeah, we had great announcements for a Sinnoh remake. Um that is Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Um it was very close to being a JoJo's reference if it was called Je- Shining Diamond. And brilliant pearl uh those shiny diamond is a uh, is a stand 
<laughs> so um, I'm glad that they switched that. <laughs> it, it, it could have been uh, the crossover art. The crossover that we didn't expect, but we got anyways. Just, uh, you know, JoJo's in Pokemon. Um, but yeah, this overall... JoJo's like, Bizarre Pokemon Adventure. <laughs> I'd be down. <laughs> I would watch that. I would play that. Um, but yeah, the main part of it is that people were saying it looks like the Let's Go engine, which is something that um, competitive players like myself are a little like questionable about um it would be nice to go to brilliant diamond and shining pearl but just like just the Sinnoh decks um it would be a lot of fun just to you know catch them all and play in there but at the same time uh we have to just see if we're going to be moving over to that um it is you know small chibi art the one thing that i do like is that they brought the camera back a lot um you know, it may make the character look chibi, but that's how we really explored the world of Pokemon when we were younger. The The Pokemon trainer did not take up, like, that much of the space. Like, yeah. we were walking on tiles and looking at the entire, you know, landscape. So I'm glad that they're bringing that kind of back. But they were saying that Diamond and Pearl are going to be one-to-one remakes of Diamond and so Pearl. So like, exactly? So people were saying, like, oh, it could be exactly the same if you wanted to relive the same thing but i really doubt that um i i think that they're gonna bring a little bit of extra things there's no reason why they would just re-release the same game again um without giving us like even just a little bit of incentive just saying like okay well if you if you do this maybe dark rye and shaman are available in the post game without having to go through you know getting a letter or a special event and the other one that I was really hyped, I was really excited for, was the one that we didn't expect, and that is uh, Arceus Legends. Um, Pokemon Legends Arceus is the official name. It is. Uh, people are saying it's Genshin Impact of Pokemon, um, but I heard it was Skyrim of Pokemon. It, it's a bit of both. Um, I really do like the direction. Also, that I heard they that they Breath it. of the Wild did Pokemon. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be an open world kind of exploration thing, but um, I really liked kind of the perspective of the story so leg uh pokemon legends arceus takes place before the pokedex was created and you are the first trainer who's trying to essentially catch them all and document and research them um so your entire goal is to roam around and try to catch pokemon uh you also get starter pokemon which i'm I know a lot of people are like, but my Charmander, oh no. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, Char Charizard's been in every game, okay? Just give him a break. Uh, it it's cool, yes, Fire Dragon, cool, but uh, let's give some love to the other one. So we have Rowlet, we have uh, Oshawott, and we have Cyndaquil um, as the starters for uh, Legend Arceus Legends. So it's going to be really interesting to see what people pick up. Um, but yeah, the, the game looks like a lot of fun. Um, obviously it's still in early development, so I wouldn't say, you know, each pixel is crisp. Um, it's still like in, it's not even in beta. It's just like a concept right now. So I'm really excited to see what they do with it, especially it being a brand new kind of way to look at Pokemon. Um, 
And if it does spin off into anything else, we will get more games like this. Um, and maybe even the next, if we have another generation of Pokemon, if it's done in this style, it might be uh, kind of a new, uh, a fresh look at Pokemon rather than just walking around, run into them, battle them, uh, call it a day. This one actually has like a world to explore this time. What's really interesting to me about this is it's not going to be turn-based. It's going to be like you have an energy gauge and that that's how you it determines when you can do your attacks and it just depletes and refills over time. That's interesting to me because every single other Pokemon game that I've seen, it, it's been pretty much turn-based. Yeah, there's this is completely new, right? Yeah, so this is it's a hybrid kind of. Um, there's energy to go and catch the Pokemon in the wild, but there are ways to reinitiate the turn-based style where you can weaken a pokemon who's maybe a little too strong for you to catch normally um so it's a little bit of a 50 50 it's but it's new it's something that you know pokemon has never done anything like this before um so i'm really glad that they are trying this out and testing it i would also say in this time if you guys are pokemon fans uh make sure to go on their website uh, and pick up all the 25th anniversary stuff. There's a lot of 25th anniversary merch, including a $400 steam train. If you want, <laughs> what? There's a steam train, like a like you know a model train. Yeah, yeah, they have a model train. Uh, do people still play with model trains? I mean, I I think they're cool, but like, do kids still like those? Uh, I I don't know. Um, but it'd be pretty cool. Uh, they have a lot of different carts on them. They have one with all the starters. Um, all the grass starters, water starters on a water tank, all the fire starters on a on a box car, uh, and then Mew, uh, Mew, Eevee, and Pikachu all on the caboose. So it's 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 pretty interesting. If you like model trains, it's done by Lionel, so it's done by like of course an official, you know, model train company. It's not just like a. A one-off. Oh, I think I see the train. $399. Yeah. Dear Lord. <laughs> Anniversaries like this only come around once Every ever. 25 years. <laughs> so so go and get them. Um, so let's talk Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> I watched it like, what, a half hour ago? I wasn't expecting a lot out of it. Just it for me, it seemed like kind of a dumb concept i think in execution it was definitely a lot better than i thought i really liked the visuals um music choice for me was questionable i still don't think post malone was the right talent for this um for me it sounded like he was just kind of raspy shouting most of the time i did like only want to be with you i really liked that one i liked circles although i i was not expecting them to do that song because i mean we can now say that on the official pokemon channel they have said the word sex twice <laughs> i just think it, it i know we're all missing concerts and i know going virtual is what we're doing for everything entertainment now but like a virtual post malone concert like yeah cool it was free but it's it's they could have probably done something a little better i think i like some of post malone's songs i wouldn't say i'm overall a post malone fan I think the songs that I like that he's done, he is the worst part of the song. Like I was telling Kevin, like Sunflower, he's not the best part. He's not what I listen to Sunflower for. I listen to Sunflower for the other guy. And because it was in Spider-Man. 
I I do rate it above DJ Khaled. <laughs> I will give him that. I'll give him that. Um, I'll give him that. I I do agree that like Post Malone is a really cool talent to have. I really I like his stuff honestly, but um I don't know if it was the right fit for the Pokemon one just because like you want to have like a jumping crowd or like something that's that's super hype. And they went into circles like in a in a forest. Mm-hmm. Uh there I mean, Celebi. Umbreon, Umbreon with the with the head bop is probably like <laughs> the best part. Uh, but to be honest, I feel like all of the uh, all of the visual effects were really really good. It's just that the the vibe that Post Malone has is a lot more hype than what Pokemon can give with its cute Pokemon designs. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I would have picked somebody more probably PG. If you wanted to be safer, um, but I still can't believe they allowed the word sex twice, twice. Uh, but yeah, it, like, it would they, be cool. They bleeped out all the swear words, so they they clearly were censoring some things. Yeah, that they they just let that one slide twice. But yeah, I, I think it was I think it was solid. Uh, I I wouldn't. I, I would say definitely if you're if you're into VFX and into what potentially virtual concerts could look like uh this is actually a really good example but when it comes to like would i go back and watch this again i don't i don't think so yeah i mean there's concerts that like i will watch again like and my family has watched again like have you seen shakira's super bowl performance like oh yeah that is fantastic post malone i feel like missed an opportunity to do a poker rap uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that would have been really that cool. Would have been, that would have redeemed pretty much the entire thing for me. Like, even if it's just the like the original Canto Poke Rap, I would have been okay with that. Um, oh, call back to the classics. So, out of all the Pokemon announcements, what's been your favorite thing, and what are you looking most forward to? Um, for me, I'm I'm really excited for that uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus because that is something that Pokemon has never played with, never experimented with. Um, Kind of a new format for it. So I want to see what they can do with it. It's world building is Mm -hmm. the one thing that I'm really excited for that. One last thing before we move on. So like you briefly talked about like the new chibi art style. Mm -hmm. Um, My wonder is where you stand on it because a lot of people really hate the new, the chibi art style. For me, I feel like the art that they were showing us, like the video of the the new Sinnoh games are just concepts. Um, I feel like they are going to clean up the, at least the rendering a little bit. Um, I'm fine with the way how it looks. I feel like the one thing that they could try to keep true though, if they want to, is still do like the tile lock thing where you know oh it's all it's a one-to-one like movement like it's not you're allowed to be a little bit more choppy with your movements just because that is how Sinnoh was played it was played you know moving tile by tile you could do 3d models with the 2d like floor plan um and keep keep that kind of pokemon feel to it as long as they don't like make diamond and pearl with sword and shield mechanic, um, I think we'll be okay. But 
for the most part, I do. I I think that if the art gets better, like if the rendering gets better, um, the this game will be liked by a lot more fans that way. But if it just sticks with what it has right now, it's gonna be like it's only gonna get picked up by either the diehard Sino fans, which is is me. I'm calling myself out here. Um, but like it it's either by the Gen 4 lovers or the people who have never played Gen 4 and want to know, you know, what happened. So let's move on to the actual overwatchy things of the podcast. So first up, uh, the Washington Post did a profile and a Q&A on Jake, who at this point is the first person in the Overwatch League to go from player to caster back to player and coach at the same time. Um, and he's like, also, he's not discounting the, uh, the possibility that he'll go back to casting in the future. It's really interesting for me to follow Jake's career because he's becoming kind of the Brett Favre, I would say, of, of, of at least the Overwatch League, if not all of esports, because he's like, oh, I'm jumping between different things. Are you going to retire? You're not going to retire. Um, and I mean, honestly, Jake was one of my favorite players to watch at first. Um, so officially, he's on the team as a player, but he's also the director of player development. He's going to focus also on individual coaching. But he came to the realization that like, okay, I can cast wherever and whenever in my future. I'm running out of time if I ever wanted to play again. And uh, the opportunity's here, so might as well take it. So for me, it's it's he, he brings up this point where um, the players from first season, if they played right now, they would probably get absolutely stomped. And as a player who's who's kind of been out of the, the professional scene for a while now as a player, he's been on the back end of talking about it. Do you think he's going to be able to stand up to the, uh, the, the actual players of the league if he does, in fact, get any playtime? Yeah, this is something that I know a lot of professional esports players have like questioned for a while. And my go-to example is not from Overwatch League. It is from Dota 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm showing my age here. But um, Fear, he's one of the guys who he's considered one of, he's called the old man of Dota. Um, <laughs> and for good reason. Um, he's like 34 or something like that. And he's still on a roster. And he's like one of the, one of the first players to play in the first ever international. And he's just, he's hanging in there. And not just because he, he wants to, he could retire easily. He could be a coach, but he's willing to compete still. Um, that is something that, you know, as a competitor of any professional sport or even like just competition in general, you have that drive. So the thing that I want to mention is like for age wise, if you're moving from a player to a coach, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're out of the game. You still have that mentality, Mm -hmm. but moving back from coach to player means that you have to get your essentially um, you have to get your mechanics back. Right. Um, And going into a game, especially like esports, where the age of the competition is actually getting younger. um, 
it comes down to reaction time. Do I have the skills to still compete? And I feel like Jake does definitely. He he's still playing at that level. So it really will come down to his experience. And as a coach, he could either put himself in. I feel like he's he's smart enough to know, you know, when it's good to put himself in or to, you know, let somebody else take the reins. Wait, hold on. Didn't uh didn't the outlaws retire his jersey? They did. Okay, so now what happens? Does he get his jersey back or does he have to pick a new number? Exactly. That's a, that's another thing that I have to we have to worry about now. If like do they just be like, "Okay, yeah, you're out of retirement so you can't you like we'll, we'll take this down and we'll put it back up later?" Or <laughs> is it going to be like, "Okay, well, you're retired but you're coming back so you have to change your number <laughs> and play as, you know, like the difference between Kobe Bryant and, you know, the the Black Mamba." You have to pick between your eight and twenty-four. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see what what happens with Jake, um, numbers-wise and you know obviously mentality-wise uh, going into this next year. The most interesting thing for me throughout this whole interview is that, um, in Jake's perspective, all all the new talent that's going to come in is going to be from Korea. You're not going to get pretty much anything from North America or Europe because he doesn't feel like the North America and Europe um, competitive scenes are, are up to snuff with Korea. He, it, let me read what he said. He said, for my money, 80 to 90% of the upcoming talent is going to come from Korea because the ranked ladder is super competitive. People, even if they're just a ranked player on the come up are building very relevant competitive skills. They're basically playing competitive games. If you go to any other region like North America and Europe, you don't see that. Maybe one in 20 games, one in 15 games is an automatic competitive strategy. Most games are not. Most games include players who just want to play one hero and don't compare, don't care about the competitive meta. If this is true, and you, you've seen like the tournaments that happen here, do you agree with that? And if so, if, if that actually does happen where pretty much all of the league is Korean, do you think that's going to affect the, uh, the viewership of the league here in the States and in Europe? I mean, especially... Um, especially with a lot of the, the anti-Asian sentiment that's been going around now, like how is that going to play out? Yeah, this is something that I was a little bit hesitant about, but I feel like Jake is actually on onto something. Uh, the reason for that is Korea has a culture of esports that like ridiculously surpasses what the NA and EU are doing right now. Um, like not only do they have gaming houses but they also have like um they they found a way essentially to like balance out everything and i do feel like without na or european talent um you are going to lose a little bit of viewership um just because you know we we like to root for the hometown hero we like to we like to watch people from you know what we represent to 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 see them go head to head here you know mm-hmm. um and that's interesting to to say honestly um but yeah i don't know if this will hurt viewership because at the end of the day the people who do watch the overwatch league are here to see good gameplay right. um we're not necessarily here to root for you know a specific person unless you know you are like a hundred percent like i'm only here for this person um which is doable i mean i've seen people do that before 
But when it comes down to like essentially this whole um idea that the league will become like completely Korean, I feel like if anything, that should inspire uh NA and Europe to just start grinding it out and be like, okay, well, we want to make Jake eat his words when we <laughs> eventually get up to the league and you know completely shut down his junk rat that he's gonna run. So that that's things that I think are gonna light a fire underneath a, a lot of NA and EU. But um in terms of the culture of esports, I feel like South Korea is at some level that it's just difficult to compete with uh-huh. um, without knowing exactly how they do it um, and bringing that kind of essentially that culture over to the U.S. Um, but yeah, that, that's one thing that's really interesting that I, w- I wanted to point out. Um, the other thing is like the, you know, the player coach thing where, you know, you're a player and also a coach. I feel that's something that has been done in literally like the lower tier three scenes forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of time before you have more player coaches. Like our our whole uh, Overwatch team at the school is player coaches. The hardest part about player coaching is being able to put aside being a player and being a coach. Essentially, you have to have two separate realms of, of like, mental state one that's always focused on the game at hand the other one that's thinking at you know the the further like bigger play in general and then the other thing that's kind of tough is um player relations like as a player you're on the same level as all the other players but as a player coach like people might be afraid to either approach you about issues or even like about certain strategies because they know that their playtime is dictated by the way how they treat you as a person. Mm-hmm. So that that's another thing that we had at least on like a lower level we had issues with, but I don't think it's going to happen with Jake. Another thing about Jake that I really, I find interesting, he's kind of like Sinatra where he's challenging a lot of people's preconceived notions about what a professional gamer looks like, right? He's, he's not Korean. He's this white guy, very charismatic. He's, uh, he's getting super ripped. Like he's training for a, a triathlon to do at the end of the year. If pandemic lets him like, look at Sinatra. Did you see his like recent post on like his social media? He's getting ripped. Yeah. So. Zoo's jacked. Like he, he will punch you in game and in real life. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Yeah. And so like, I'm glad that he's one of the more prominent faces of Overwatch, and I'm glad that um, play, like, publications like the Washington Post are focusing on people like him because, like, while he's not truly representative of what the league looks like overall, it's it's good that he's challenging, like, maybe not even intentionally, but, like, just his presence is challenging what naysayers or or people with... Um, negative connotations of esports might be thinking when they see this guy is one of the most prominent names out there. It's kind of like like the thing with Zoe, how she's um, nothing like you'd you'd expect when you you think of like an esports caster. Yeah, it, it's essentially paving new ways and having this new look um, at not only the game but just like the role of esports players. 
um, throughout the years. It, you don't have to just just because like you're a player, you play for you know a certain amount of time, you did well, and then you just call it a day when you're when it's all over, right? Like there is something else to be working on. Um, mm-hmm. Like once again, like people think the same thing in like professional sports as well, where it's just like, oh well, you're done. Like you, you retire. Uh, what do you, what do you do? I mean, if you want to look at the best examples, just look at Shaq. Um, like he, he played in the league for years. He was dominant. And then when he was done, he's like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I, I don't want to play anymore. It just goes on TV. And he's like still doing broadcasts. And now he's got a hand in esports as well. He's like co-owner of NRG as well. So, you know, Shaq and the shock are kind of a thing. So to keep going with league news, um, I'm not super into statistics, but I found like this interesting. So the Overwatch League um, interviewed a bunch of their their general managers to see what they thought was coming up for the season, what their thoughts of how things would play out. Um, and they they put an article on the Overwatch League website just detailing all these results. Um, so to go over them fairly quickly, um, the prediction for who would win the 2021 Overwatch League Championship top two teams were the Shock winning 40% of the vote and the Dragons won 10% of the vote. Looking at the top teams in the East, people thought the Dragons were most likely going to be the dominant team there, which no no question on that part. Um, the next couple teams are the Fusion, the Dynasty, and the Spark. Um, in the West, everyone, it's pretty much unanimous, unanimous the Shocker, the most dominant team in the West, followed by the Fuel, and the gladiator or the gladiators, then the fuel and then the justice mayhem also is up there. Um, the, the most dominant meta that the general managers think they're going to see is mostly going to be dive with 40%. And then a diverse range of other metas got 10% of the vote. Um, the top four or the top five um, most impactful heroes that the general managers think it's going to be echo um, Tracer, Sigma, and then Sombra and Wrecking Ball got similar. Uh, they, they tied. This one's funny. The best logo, the Dynasty won that one with the Spark coming in next, and the Outlaws and then the Fusion were tied for third. I would disagree. That's one I would disagree with. I don't think the Sparks is that great. Um, I would probably put like maybe the Dragons over the Spark there. I love the Outlaws logo. I love the Fusion logo, but I don't think the Spark deserves that 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 spot. They they asked all the they asked all the weebs about that one. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, railgun meme, good <laughs> thumbs up." Probably that's probably who it was. It was that crossover. Yeah, the yeah, the general managers are are all weebs. Yeah. Or they like oh, the color everyone pink. thinks that also everyone thinks that super has the best personality in the league and he's the best person to follow on social media. I mean, super's got a lot of really fun he's things funny. to say. I like him. Yeah. So once again, like, I feel like if you, if you put super and Jake on a table to cast a game, that would probably be the most entertaining game to listen to. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not like super into statistics, but it's, it's for me, what, I like about this is that you're getting the insider perspective. So it's like, it's not just the fans who think like the shocker utterly dominant. Like the, the general managers realize that the shock own the West. 
Also, yeah. what interested me was, I think the most interesting one for me was the biggest hero impact because we haven't seen a ton of Echo. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Echo, at least now. Um, I feel like the reason why they think Echo is going to make a bigger impact is because of that, you know, literal changing into a different hero thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really, it is impactful if used correctly. Um, <laughs> because qualifier. like, I mean, yeah, the qualifier, we had that whole, uh, we had that echo showcase where like, what are you, what are you going to do as Reinhardt? I, I know this, I don't know the answer to this either. Cause I'm always panicking. Uh, when you see two Reinhardt's running at you, right? One builds charge twice as fast as the other one. Right. And they're both sitting on shatter, right? Oh, you, you only have a certain amount of you know bubble yeah so what do you do in that case right like you see the first hammer go down you're like okay block that one right so you so you block the first but while you're doing that one the echo is like right above you and earth shattering you from the other side like (laughs) like i can't believe two places at once yeah like i don't have enough shield for that i'm not gonna ask like we're not gonna pick up an orissa for this okay like what's the right answer there is no right answer you you either you either get shattered or get shattered i mean (laughs) you want to shatter you more yeah so i feel like echo is impactful not only in that case but just like applying more pressure where like other teams might not even have an answer to yeah i'm I'm expecting a lot of if this goes through like echo is going to be reworked a ton um, I'm, I'm not a dive player. I know you like dive Kevin. Um, so if the, if the game imitates the league, I'm going to have a rough time playing dive. I just, I'd like to just shield tank most of the time with like Reiner Sigma. So, uh, this is going to be rough for me. Um, any stats that you found particularly interesting? I understand that dive looks really strong right now. Um, but at the same time, it's just because like shield tanks are kind of difficult to come by. Yeah, um, we only have essentially Rhino and Arisa. Um, But even so, kind of Sigma, like, kind of Sigma. But it's still like really tough. Oh yeah, to, with that three second cooldown on his shield, that's it's difficult. So yeah, for the most part, this list is pretty solid. You know, I'm waiting for the lead to return so we could at least see why they think dive is going to be good i know that dive is strong um but it really depends on how the team plays it and how every team is going to play it are we going to get poco back in the main roster lineup for for the fusion now like i hope so i want to see that yeah diva play again so last two things that that i've found um i don't know how much credence there is to this i wasn't paying that much attention but there's Speaking of the Overwatch 2 announcements, um, some people are speculating that with all the changes that are going to the tank and with the footage that we saw, like only showing really one tank on the screen at a time, some people are speculating that when we get Overwatch 2, it's going to shift from a a 6v6 to a 5v5. And Kevin, now did Call of Duty League go from 4v4 to 5v5, from, from 5v5 to 4v4 this year? Uh, I don't happen? remember off the top of my head. 
because I mean, I, I don't follow Call of Duty League extensively, but some people are trying to connect Overwatch being owned also by Activision Blizzard and Call of Duty being owned by the same thing. And that shift in Call of Duty to something that's going to happen in Overwatch where they shift down a player. Um, now, the reason behind that could be like trying to save money, trying to like beef up the tank role, trying to make tank players happier. But I mean, if that happens, that eliminates off tank roles, that eliminates a lot of players who are doing off tank. Um, and that also means you're going to have to either shift the roles for a lot of players or you're going to have to like completely rework them. Like specifically, Roadhog would probably not be a tank anymore. Yeah, I can, I can see Roadhog being removed as a tank. Uh, Diva to an extent as well, if you took away like DM. Um, but there, it, it is kind of an interesting thing. Like if people are speculating, okay, we're only going to get one tank. Um, does that mean that they're just going to make the tanks that we have like super, like super busted? Right. Mm-hmm. So then we have to essentially play, you know, if we do play 5v5 with like a busted role like that, we are going to get uh, the, the tanks are going to feel more impactful for sure. Um, but there is going to be a lot more pressure. And the other thing that comes with that is let's say if the league does go to a 5v5 uh, format where the tanks take the hit, tank players are going to have to compete a lot harder to get the slot that they want. Um, And it's not necessarily, it's going to remove a lot of the tank play that we were, that we know already. Um, So we'll, we'll see how it plays into the rest of the game. Um, If this does come through in overwatch Two, tank players like myself will have to fight for a position. Um, But yeah, it really just does come down to, you know, the better player. Last thing that I found this week, um, there was a huge announcement from Overwatch. Like, I guess this counts as lore-wise, um, but we're getting a new book. We've known this for a while about the um, the Deadlock Gang. It's going to be called Deadlock Rebels. Um, it's going to come out on June first this year, and we've got the reveal of the cover art for it. Um, the cover art was done by Zhao Tong Valinxi. She t- she said. We could call her Val because I reached out to her um, to do a quick Q&A. She answered some questions that I sent to her. Um, so we're going to go through those. But really quickly before we do that, here is the background on the book. Um, in the years after the Omnic crisis, the American Southwest is ruled by vultures looking for profit in the chaos. The West is ripe for the taking and an Elizabeth Caldonia Ash intends to write her name across it. When Ash is arrested yet again on the morning of her high school graduation, her aloof old money parents decide to disinherit her from the family fortune. To steal back what's rightfully hers, Ash teams up with her omnic butler, Bob, and a local ruffian, Jesse McCree, for a series of heists, catapulting the trio into a game of fast money and dangerous alliances. Along the way, Ash discovers that family isn't just about blood. It's about the people who've got your back when your back's against the wall. So yeah, we're getting lore about Bob before we're getting lore about Zenyatta. <laughs> typical blizzard (laughs) um all right so let's get into the q a that i did with vel um so what led you to becoming an artist it's pretty much what i've always been interested in since i was a kid so i stuck with it nothing much to it 
what are some of your art influences and how would you describe your style? I honestly have too many art influences, but if I could trim it down quite a bit, Sachin Tang, Leon Decker, you may come to mind immediately. I think my style ranges anywhere from a rather Eastern anime style to semi-realism. How did you get into Overwatch? Who are your favorite characters? What roles do you like to play? And what is your favorite part of the game? I got into Overwatch around 2016, 2017 as the game was a gift from my sister. I mained D.Va then and I still main her now, though I switched around with Farah, Mercy, Lucio, and Junkrat. D.Va and Farah are def my faves. My favorite part of the game is the part where I get to win if I'm being honest. Having fun with my friends as well, obviously. Haha. <laughs> um, what was your process and inspiration for the cover art? We had some set ideas to work with already, so I worked from there. We all wanted to capture the Western look of Route 66 and Ash and McCree's characters as well. Hence the sandy and dusted look of the cover. I drew a lot of inspiration from actual pictures of Route 66 I found online. We've seen McCree, McCree's look in before in the game, but Ash's look is something you created, correct? What was your process for creating this Ash outfit and how long did, you, did it take you to find it? What were other, other iterations like? Though I did have some material to work from to begin with, a lot of the variations are based on outfits I own since I was about three years older than Ash when I did the cover. I also had to make sure it stuck pretty close with her cowgirl aesthetic while retaining a sleek look. I have other iterations posted on my Twitter. As someone who has now had a hand in crafting and creating part of the Overwatch lore, what about the lore in the world of Overwatch do you think is so compelling for fans? Haha, <laughs> I'm not sure I had too big of a role, but I was really happy getting to design Younger Ash and the cover. To me, the many different cultures all mixing together to create something truly unique in a futuristic setting has always been something I liked about the game. Many big title futuristic settings tend to take only in one set area, usually America. I like that Overwatch jumps from place to place and crafts a new version of that existing environment to fit the universe they've made. I think it's pretty creative. What are you most looking forward to for Overwatch 2? Diva. What was the most challenging and most rewarding parts about creating this cover? What is your favorite part of the piece? Definitely designing Ash for the cover was challenging and rewarding. It was definitely a process. McCree's face is my favorite part of the cover. I really like people talking about baby McCree and how young he looks as he's 15 years old here. Oh my god, he's 15. <laughs> um, is there any message you'd like to send to the fans of Overwatch? I hope they like the cover. I spent quite a bit on it along with my editor. I also hope they think I did the characters justice, especially if any of these three happen to be their favorites. Val also has her own comic called Countdown to Countdown, which is online. I believe it's also free. So um, tell us more about your other work, like your count comic Countdown to Countdown. It's a futuristic webcomic I've been working on since I was 15. It's my baby, basically. It's about a boy who can bring his own artwork to life, but has to hide his special powers constantly in the facility he lives in. I work on it under my publisher, Hiveworks. Uh, where can we find you? How can we, where can we find you, your work, and how to support you? You can find my comic at ctccomic.com and at Belinksy on Twitter and my Instagram. Reading my comic and checking out my work is a good way to start supporting my work. So thank you very much to Vel for agreeing to answer those questions for us. And hopefully they've given you some insight into what it was like creating this cover. Um, some of the thought process, hopefully it hypes you up. I know I'm really excited to learn about the deadlock game because I mean, 
we get more Bob lore. <laughs> yeah, this is something that I was really interested in. It's just knowing, you know, what is the history between Ash and McCree? The second that we got the, you know, the Ash announcement trailer, um, we knew that there was something between them. Um, yeah. So it's really cool that we finally get to dive into, you know, the reason why they're they're like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how far does this rivalry go back? We know that this is kind of like the origin story. Yeah. Um, you know, 15-year-old McCree. Uh, so how how long ago did things go sour? Um, and, you know, when, when does it happen? Um, I, I am looking at her Twitter right now. Um, definitely go and check out um, the alternate designs for Ash. Um, there's just a lot of really cool like design choices um and aesthetic things that they kept with ash that you know just by not only just silhouette but like um what kind of clothing she's wearing um what kind of led her into the uh the outfit that she has for the comic versus like what she actually has in game and you know if this happens right do we will we get this costume in game I um, hope so. I mean, that's a perfect way to promote the the book. It's like, hey, this book is out. Or like, if they wanted to, they could be like, hey, if you want this outfit, buy the book. And there's a code in the book. Yeah. The, either way, that I feel like that's a really cool way of promoting the art um, and everything uh, that that she's done. This this art is just beautiful. I'm I'm just waiting for the for the story now. We got we got to yeah. figure out how everything else falls into place. What's interesting to me reading the um, the book description is it says like um, it's about the people who've got your back when your back is against the wall. And considering that we know like McCree and Ash do not have the best relationship right now, it's like, what did he do to piss her off so much? Is it that he yeah. left the Deadlock Gang, or did he actually do something else? Uh, I feel like it, it's got to be something really big for for Ash not only to hold that grudge. For a long time but like hopefully we get our answers answered uh throughout <laughs> our questions answered i can't english but it would be really cool to see um if they do describe the event um we have to know if mccree is joining black watch by the end of this mm-hmm. um and is it by joining black watch that makes ash angry or is it um or is it something else? Like, did they just put him between, you know, a rock and a hard place and said, like, hey, you could either give us all the information about the deadlock gang, we won't kill you, and you can join our organization. Or was it like he he just had no other choice and mm-hmm. he had to pick that? So uh we'll we'll see. It it, it is interesting to know. Uh, we know that we're definitely gonna be revisiting that uh the announcement trailer for Ash um later down the line so there's going to be a lot to look into yeah so once again this book comes out on june 1st um you can pre-order it now it's nine dollars and 89 cents there's also another book coming out it's the cinematic art of overwatch volume 2 the first one came out in december this one's going to be 45 dollars, and it's just the art and then there's also the um the art of overwatch volume 2 just this is not the cinematic this is just the normal 
art that's coming out on October 15th. This one's going to be $47.29. And again, this is the book that's going to give us the uh, sneak peek looks at Overwatch 2. So if you're really, really hyped for the game, um, this is a one way to get kind of your, your uh, sneak peek fix. All right, we've been talking for a while, Kevin. Anything else that we want to add in or or end on? Um, I guess the only other thing is like, you know, a little bit of self-promotion for myself. Uh, if you guys want to hear me cast and actually see my face, uh, <laughs> I will be I will be on the Art U Esports Twitch um Twitch channel casting Valorant um for uh this weekend. So the sixth and the seventh. Uh, feel free to stop by. Feel free to say hello. Um, I can I can answer things during the breaks. So, um, yeah, f- feel free to join me there. Um, other than that, we just have to really look forward to, you know, what Overwatch has in store prior to the league reset, um, and the league, you know, finally coming back and see if we get any other special announcements later down the line. Alrighty then, everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week. We will, of course, be back at you next week with whatever we find over the internet. Thank you, everybody, for helping us get to 460 downloads last month. Um, we're already at 30 this month, and it's, what, the uh, third day of March? So, hooray! Interestingly enough, Arizona was one of our, our top listeners for the United States, as long with Georgia, Texas, New Jersey, California, and Illinois. Um, I guess all of our Arizona listeners are in Phoenix, Atlanta, Georgia, New York, New York was pretty big for cities, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, Chicago, and Austin. Um, our countries this for February were us was our top followed by the UK, which I think is pretty standard for us. Um, followed by Canada, Mexico, Denmark, and Brazil. I don't think we've had Denmark and Brazil on our list before. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Um, if there's anything you want us to, to do or talk about, just let us know. Um, hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, or email, which I should probably check sometime soon. But yeah, thanks, guys, and we will be back at you next week. Adios. Next week, we'll bring you gaming and Overwatch news from across the internet. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.